You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. Half hour! Hello and welcome to Half Hour, an entertainment podcast through Two Worlds Entertainment. I'm Richie. And I'm Jeff. Here to bring all the latest casual conversations on the shows and concerts and films and music events that we see and observe throughout our careers. We would like to let you know that this conversation will feature spoilers, so please make sure that you are checking out the content that we are discussing today before moving forward, if you'd like. Um, You have been warned, though, there will be uh, spoilers featured in this podcast. Today, we're talking about the Broadway revival of August Wilson's The Piano Lesson. The Piano Lesson is currently playing at the Ethel Barrymore Theater in Manhattan in New York City. The cast stars Samuel L. Jackson, Danielle Brooks, and John David Washington. And the production is directed by LaTanya Richardson Jackson, who is Samuel L. Jackson's wife. And that is the creative team and the people starring in it. Awesome. A a little bit about the play. Um, The play was written in 1987, comes to Broadway in 1990, and wins the Pulitzer Prize for Drama in 1990. Um, as a lot of you know, and I wanted to just like talk for a minute here about August Wilson. We'll probably talk about him a little later too, but um, August Wilson was born in 1945, died in 2005. He has authored many plays, and he has a 10-play compilation entitled The American Century Cycle. And so this is one of those 10 plays. Other famous plays being Fences, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Uh, he's also done Jitney, Radio Golf. There's so many shows. Um, these works explore the experience of the descendants of Africans brought to North America as slaves decade by decade over the course of the 20th mm. century. So the point is that you're seeing different decades of African-American culture here through the 20th century. So this is the 1930s. The f- fences, I want to say, 40s or 50s. Yeah. Ma Rainey's is the 20s. So I believe that you see different – a lot of them are living room dramas or family dramas and things like that, but you're seeing – different cultures representative of different times. I think it's really important to I start by saying that. Um, he was an amazing, amazing playwright. There's a th- probably theater named after him. And I'm, I just want to dive into this a little bit. I feel like this was a really wonderful experience in the theater for us. Uh, I, would I say it's my favorite August Wilson play of his? No, I would not. Okay. It's good. And I enjoyed it. I really think Fences is my favorite one. I haven't read all of them, but I think Fences is so, so incredibly well-written and acted mm-hmm. in the film and, and, and the Broadway productions. This was good, too. There's some lots of beautiful hidden meanings here. There's a lot of sadness here. Um, what are your overall thoughts on this revival of this play and just the play in general? Well, you've totally kind of twisted my whole idea here now because I didn't know that about his plays. Yeah. And that that's a really cool thing that he did there. Mm-hmm. Um, this play, let's say, I would call this the theater goers play. Okay. I think you need to be a really good, like, deep in it theater goer to go and really appreciate everything that's happening in mm. this play. And when you can kind of suspend yourself and really fully immerse yourself into what's happening on the stage, I think there's a lot of great things going on, but it's heavy. It's a heavy show with a lot of different, um, kind of lanes going on. But I, I enjoyed it. I think I enjoyed uh, Act 2 more than I enjoyed okay. the first act. And I'll get into a little bit more detail on why um, I think things just work differently in Act 2. But I, I would say it was a great performance. And it was a great performance done by a star-studded cast. So Yes. And talking about some of that cast, 
To me, I thought Samuel L. Jackson was great. He's playing the role really well. He's a really seasoned performer. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like you're watching him up there and he knows exactly what he's doing. Like, the man can make no mistakes on a stage. I just feel like he's so comfortable. And just to be in the room with him. Oh, yeah. With that presence, you're like... What a star. And what what an accomplished performer and actor. Correct. And really, really, really great. I thought he was great. The role doesn't lend to too much. There's a lot no. of... He's kind of there. But that's not, what that character needs to be. Right. The presence. Know? The older presence, The you presence know? of being the uncle yeah. to two of the main characters yeah. in the show. And the other uncle being Michael Potts, who is amazing. Standout performance by him. When he's playing the piano and singing... When he's commanding the whole thing with putting the suit on and selling him the suit, that comedy bit, he's really great. I mean, he, for me, was one of the strongest performances up there. I've seen Michael Potts and things before. I'm very, very impressed by his performance. And for me, Danielle Brooks, I think that she just has the power to command anything that she is in. And we've seen her multiple times now. And we've watched her in Orange is the New Black. And we saw her in Color Purple. Purple, And now we've seen her. Well, actually, we saw her in in the Shakespeare in the Park thing. Oh, yes. We saw her in the play. Uh, What was the play she was in? She was out in uh, the the theater out there. It'll come to me. But yes. I totally forgot. We saw her in that, too. And now we are seeing her in the piano lesson. And as soon as they announced the piano lesson, I was like, and that they said Danielle Brooks was going to be playing the role. I said, oh, we're going to see some acting from her. And... I think after we left, we were both like, it's not the biggest part, but anytime she was on that stage, she mm-hmm. really just commanded the stage. Yeah. And she just acts the whole time. Yeah. yeah. She's never just standing over in a corner no, or sitting exactly. on a couch. Which or- some people are. And I want to talk a little bit about the direction in a little yeah. bit, but I want to finish the acting form. Yes, yeah, she does command what she's doing and owns Always. her role in whatever she's doing. Always. I like and- her in the period pieces. I think she really gets... She looks great in the costumes. All of the costumes I thought were nice in the show. And I think it just works. But there's even something that I think that a a seasoned actor just knows what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And when she's sitting at that table and she's fixing her daughter's hair. Yeah. And and there's dialogue happening from other people on that stage. And you watch her. I I can't keep my eyes off her. Yeah. I'm like, I'm just watching. And she's facial reacting. Yeah. To things that are happening. Right. And sometimes we look at actors and I'm like, oh, they just stop. When yeah. they don't have a line, they just stop. Yeah. And she doesn't. No, she doesn't. Right. She doesn't. So I have to praise her. I yeah. will praise her. And I love seeing her on the stage. And I kind of just love that she keeps staying with this Broadway theme. Yeah. Since like Orange is the New Black, I don't really know what else she's really. She's done some little things here and there with TV and film, but I think she's really owning the Broadway space. And she I think is. it's great. She was Tony nominee for Color Purple yeah. and really talented. Um, I will say, let's talk about John David Washington. John David Washington, I, I don't, I haven't seen him much. I know he's a film guy and a lot of people have seen him in film and TV. For me, the role is the role. I mean, that's a role you want to play, I would think, as Mm -hmm. an actor, as a young actor. You have the plot twists. You have the command. You have many monologues. To me, it was like he was at a 9 or a 10 the whole time, shouting, screaming, screaming, to the point where... I actually think what I was seeing was the other actors like almost toning it out or muting him a little because Mm. he was always the one note. As an actor, I really would love to see a little more of a roller coaster of emotion. Go low. Soften your voice. Walk up to someone's face and say a line like this. And there was none of that. It was, we're going to... Uh, uh, the whole it was so loud and the, like 95% of the show yeah. to me that kind of 
I don't know. It doesn't do it for me. But I'm hearing the dialogue. It's written well. It's a great character. Well, I wonder it, if that's a thing for actors sometimes where in plays, when they know that they're usually not mic'd or something, do they get nervous and they say, oh, wow, I really need to say my line so that we, who were sitting in the back of the theater, yeah. can hear what he's saying. You enter so, a house and you say, hey, I'm home. I get it. Yeah. When someone's two feet away from you, ah, 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 yeah. you don't have to be screaming. We can hear you. But I think that will come for someone like him. Yeah. Because I think he's giving a great acting performance. But yeah, the delivery of the lines was very yeah. over the top and uh-huh. kind of one note the whole way. Yeah. And you need to leave room for diversity in your line delivery. And I say this a lot in the music when I'm like reviewing music songs as well. Sometimes you hear someone just go right off the bat and they're at a 10 the whole time or they stay at a three the whole time. And you just, you need to do something to make someone feel like it's memorable. And you don't want it to be memorable in the wrong way. Right. And you you don't want it to be memorable. Like, oh, I remember because he was just shouting the whole time on the stage. You want him to be... You want the full performance to be remembered. Yeah. Like what Danielle was giving was like memory. Like, yeah. Oh, I uh, like what I was just saying to you, her just standing there and acting through her scene, even when she didn't have a line. Yeah. I remember it. Yeah. And I'm watching her meticulously do her daughter's hair like this. Yeah. And like the acting, even, even from the daughter in that sense of like, oh, wow, you just pulled my hair. Yeah. It's like, to that's me, uh, that's where you kind of like take off, and I guess that's what was really missing from his performance. Yeah. And like you're saying, it's like yeah, it was always a t- I, there was like one line that he kind of said quietly, and I was like, oh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, wait, wait, mm-hmm. when he did that, mm-hmm. that really was good. That took me down here. Some of that is the actor's responsibility, of course, and a lot of it does come down to the director's responsibility. What I found was. We have a huge stage with this huge set. Beowulf Blorit does the set, which is amazing. I actually loved it. The skeletal broken home. Mm -hmm. If you looked, actually, the floor extends into the street. So the floor is the whole stage. The whole stage is wood slats. And it's not just in the frame of the home. It goes out into the streets. I think that's kind of a really smart design. Um, I like the act curtain. I liked some of the other use. But when I'm looking at this and I'm seeing rooms... Like a set designer has given you a playground. That's like saying, okay, child, go run on this playground. And the child only plays on one third of the playground. Mm-hmm. And as a parent, maybe like, go to the slide, go to the yeah. jungle gym, go to the swings, go to, but the child's only staying in the swings. To me, it's like everything is happening around this couch yeah. and this table and the front half of the stage and the, that two thirds. Yes, I understand. You go upstairs, you go to the back rooms, they disappear. But there was, it was almost like they were afraid to go near the piano. The piano is off to the side. I would have put the piano somewhere else. I would have made the piano. I, I wish we saw more of the carvings in the piano. I don't know. To me, the elephant in the room is this piano the whole time. Right. And gather around it more. Make mm-hmm. it a focal point in the living space. Make it the awkward elephant and make it this big piece of furniture that we're going to have to talk about now because it's sitting here. Yeah. It almost blended in. Yeah. And I'm not saying it needs to be like white or it needs to be a grand piano. It needs to be in the center of the room. I'm not saying it needs to be like that. But it was like they never played over there half the time. The steps led upstairs. There was a room up there. We barely used the room up there and we can mm-hmm. see through it. Yeah. I don't know. To me, I was just like, that's a director thing. I don't know how strongly this – I don't feel like this was as 
strongly directed as I think it could have been. I thought it was fine. Yeah. But I I understand sometimes when people are talking, you got to sit around a kitchen table. I get that, especially in film. But you have a huge space. I don't even feel like people even took a step towards the audience at times. Yeah. The pastor maybe was the only person I felt was connecting with the audience at times because of what his dialogue seemed. But I just thought, use the house. When we saw the minutes on Broadway, they were at these tables the whole time. But people felt like they could get up and go get a glass of water in the hallway and walk to the center of the room. That whole space was used as a board meeting, if you remember. And you listen to back our podcast, everyone, if you if you haven't listened yet. And then I'm looking at this big Broadway space, and I'm like, you're not using it. It's there to yeah. use. And I don't know. It's almost like maybe half this house could have been a backdrop then, if we're not going to really use a fully functioning home to the fullest extent. That's just kind of how I feel. Well, I do agree with you on that. Because when you get a Beowulf set, you are getting the top tier of what I think sets are on Broadway right now. Really great scenery. It's just getting delivered. And we even when we go back to something like A Skin of Our Teeth yeah, and how... Minimal, but also brilliant the set design was for that, but how well it was directed. And every inch of that stage was used in Skin of Our Teeth. A roller coaster in the back. I mean, everything, right? So, And when you have a director that's telling you what to do in certain spaces and that you need to continue to act through your performance, Mm. even when you're not fully being used... You can tell, yeah. And I don't, I don't think she did a bad job with this. No, it wasn't I do bad. Think, I thought I do agree with you that there was a set that was underutilized, mm-hmm. especially I, since it moved. It, it was great that it came together at the end yeah. like that. It was broken. It was frayed. Like the piano is kind of a little broken and frayed. The piano is black and white. The home was black and white. It, it was, you know, the home is representative of the piano, and that kind of goes to the plot too. Right. The piano represents their life. You and when know, we go I to this plot, that. right? When we go to this plot right now, this yeah. is about a broken family, right? Yeah. And you can see in this broken home that's basically displayed to us. But why do we not see more things breaking within the home throughout the show? If there are with- spirits and ghosts, if there are haunting things like sounds and and ghosts being seen, right? Maybe with we the see- cast, though, when yeah. I'm saying oh, yeah. is continue like. As the relationships, the relationships keep breaking, we mm-hmm. should be seeing other things within the home break. Yeah. And it really was only ever happening when we talk about this piano. And mm-hmm. the piano being, uh, I would say, probably like an heirloom. Yeah. Getting passed down through generations or the generations needing to keep it in their lives mm-hmm. because that's what this piano represents. It only, you really only felt the home crick and creak when the piano moved. When I really think the whole home needed to be breaking stuff. Yeah. Could have been a cool take on it. And I I think some of the best stuff does go down to this dialogue that is written. You have these siblings who one says, sell the piano. We could go buy back land that was stolen from our family. And what an amazing, like argument that he's creating. And then there's Bernice who can't move on past her husband's death, who can't move on to go play that piano that she had to play. She doesn't want to go move on and then to go play it at the end. Yeah. She, that was a moment to see her sit down and say, I have to play this piano for the sake of my family. And then to me, the only thing I will say is it was a little, the ghost, him fighting the ghost in the projection at the top. It was kind of like, whoa, we took, we're taking way out. You know, 90% of the show is like no sound effects, a couple sound effects here and there, nothing suspension of disbelief wise. And then all of a sudden, whoa, we're in this like, I feel like I'm in an amusement park ride and all these lights and sounds. And then it's like, it's over and it's like, okay, the piano's going to say hug brother and sister end of play. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about the end of this play. Yeah. I, I think there was. Well, I liked the homecoming together 
I yeah. thought it was a moment. It was a nice moment. And it was a nice After ending. most of the scenes, I felt like there was something that would happen. It was kind of like watching a TV show. And like, if this was a show and there were 30 minute episodes for each scene, something always happened at the end. Yeah, of the yeah, scene, yeah, yeah. And then you were brought into it, right. which is something I kind of want to bring up to in a second. But I originally said, mm, I felt like there was a lot of dialogue in this show that was unnecessary. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of relationship building that didn't have no reason. In a way. But I'm thinking about it now as we're sitting here and I'm like, oh, if they're having these conversations and we're trying to watch them build relationships with other people, they never went anywhere for a reason Mm. because they're broken. They're broken people that needed to kind of solve their own issues before they could have any sort of relationship with someone else. Mm. So I think sometimes it took too long to get to those points, but the brother and the sister, they could never really find someone because they were so broken inside based on the relationship that they have with each other sure, and their family from everything that has been kind of passed down to them. And I was like, oh, is this a theme here? Mm-hmm. Is this why we're watching these relationships kind of teeter on like, oh, they want it. They just can't do it. And how many, you know, plays have we seen over the last 100 years plus of white families going through white family dramas? And I think what's so amazing about what August Wilson does is he says, you know, so many plays and stories are told about slavery, civil rights movement. And whoa, whoa, whoa. Between the late 1800s to the 1960s, there is a lot of years the early 1900s, 1910s, 1920s, 1930s. And what what were black families dealing with at that time? Mm-hmm. They're talking about their grandparents being slaves. Yeah. Not their great, 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 great their, their parents and grandparents. Right. That is a pretty close, that's an interesting time frame for someone like August Wilson to say, I need to tell those stories. Mm-hmm. And this is what, this is what's working is telling these stories on stage like this. And I love seeing this. I'm learning things. I'm sitting here, wow. You almost wish there was a flashback scene to seeing the piano being carved or seeing what the family was going through with some of this purchase of the piano, the fire, and how the piano was almost, what that piano has been through, kind of like what they've all been through in their family history. Yeah. Well, you bring up a good point. Yeah. Because I think that this kind of touches on a little bit of like what August Wilson is writing in these plays. And... Kind of going back to the show idea that I was just saying, like, each scene is kind of like an episode, uh, episodic thing. Do you feel like his writing kind of works better for film or for even TV than it really does for the stage? I wonder that because I've ne- this is actually, I, I this may be my first time I've ever seen an August Wilson piece on the stage. But I have seen the Fences movie and I thought that was such a brilliant, brilliant film. Uh, I think there's something about the dialogue with a close-up camera. The Denzel Washington Viola Davis relationship in that film is I, no, there's not a lot of things that come close to that and that acting. And when you see that, you know there is something to be said about sitting uh, what quite a hundred few feet away. You know, sitting way in the back, putting these plays in big Broadway houses, not in small circle in the square style rounds. You know, it's tough. And I almost sometimes wonder if some of these plays might work better with some of this more intimate dialogue. If you're closer, if it's softer, and maybe in a filmic way, it might work. Yeah. Well, I just think about the context of this show and the piano lesson. It's it's almost like a thriller. Yeah. There's so many haunting, chilling moments throughout this that it's scary at times. Yeah. In between each scene, because you have a ghost that's haunting this family. You have a ghost that's in this house. They're screaming. There's things like that. And you you really kind of look back into the piece and you're like, 
wow, I can see this really just working as a film or even working as a show. There is a film version of it from the 90s. I believe it was like a Hallmark made-for-TV film. And I believe right now Denzel Washington is working with Samuel L. Jackson, I believe, to get a Netflix film version of this made. That's the latest I've heard. But even as an idea, think about like if he wrote these 10 plays that are supposed to take place over the... 10 decades. 10 decades... Wouldn't you want to see that as a show? Oh, yeah, I see what you're saying. Like like a mini-series of sorts. Mini, yeah. Right. But like, think of like American Horror Story. Each season is a different Yeah, yeah, context, yeah. Right. Well, you would do a season series, yeah. You would do a season. Yeah. Like, even if it was a six-episode arc on of each the plot. show. Yeah. And someone's going to steal his idea. No, but someone's got to take August Wilson's cycle and kind of adapt it for that, which I'm not sure if that's allowed in the estate or not. You know, so it depends on some people really don't want to touch his work. This show was two hours and 45 minutes long. I mean, you know, it's hard to – Death of a Salesman was three hours long. I mean, some of these prolific plays do go untouched sometimes. But you you would take this play and you would – Evolve it. Right. Adapt it, but you would evolve the plot to even have bigger scenes, you know, so that it would be a show. And I just think there's so much development that can happen. And then there's a real message after each story Mm -hmm. that's being told. Mm -hmm. And I love so much of why one child really wanted that piano in her life and the other one didn't. And the other one was like, no, the legacy of our family wants to live on. And how am I supposed to do that? I'm supposed to do that with our heirloom and I'm supposed to sell it so that that can go into the land and I can live now. And the other one is like, no, this is our memory. This is our story. We need to keep our story. And we have that so much in our families where it's like, oh, how often do you hear like, oh, this is passed down from my great grandmother or this is pa-, and, you know, maybe it means nothing or maybe it means everything mm-hmm. to someone. There's a quote. I believe it's an August Wilson quote. It says, acquiring a sense of self-worth by denying one's past. Mm-hmm. And what is your self-worth now? It's a generational piece, too. What are there three generations in this play? A child, middle-aged adults and elderly adults all here kind of saying, all having different opinions on this. And what they're hiding from that little girl and they talk about she doesn't know half of this you know what they find out it's it's just well written and like i like i said it does flow nice at times i do agree with you the dialogue seems a little sedentary and a little heavy and it doesn't quite move but the that's way why i'm could. saying like i think it works in a different way i think it works on someone looking at it and saying oh okay well this could have more yeah and then or it needs to be stripped away yeah because it was too long. Yeah. For in the, in that sense to not have more development happen throughout the show. Right. So I think it it works in two different ways because I just think his writing is done really well and it's done in a great way to bring these stories from the past to the future. And I also like, you know, we were there and it was very full. The yeah. theater this is selling maybe because of the titles of the names of the play, maybe because it is an August Wilson play, maybe both. It got extended until late January, so if you're listening and you haven't you know, seen this yet, you can still go see this. But there's something to be said about August Wilson and what he did with his plays. Uh, it would have been interesting to see if he lived longer or how many more plays he could have written maybe past this 10-play cycle. Um, but people honor the work. They, they cherish what he did, mm-hmm. and they honor it. And I think Denzel Washington and Samuel L. Jackson have been major fighters behind getting this work into Netflix, into homes, into schools. It's it's very important. 
And it's an important piece. And what that piano really represents is a lot of things. Yeah. And I, I think, oh, it's, it's actually so funny because I knew, <laughs> this might be a little embarrassing. I knew nothing about this. And I thought I was waiting for like a piano lesson. Like, is this about a music teacher teaching a <laughs> piano lesson? I don't know. And no, the lesson from the piano. And yeah. what was the lesson they all learned? Not the literal music lesson on the piano. You know, I think that's a great play on words. But that's also how everyone kind of receives a lesson to begin with. Sure. You know, like when you're in school and the teacher is teaching you the lesson, well, who is the lesson in this case? Yeah. Is it the parent? Is it the uncle? Is it the brother? You know, and for each person there, how they received the lesson was completely different. Some people were part of the lesson. Some people brought that piano up to wherever they live. Right. And then others needed to like, oh, no, this lesson is my life. I need to keep this here with me. Mm -hmm. I'll tell my child when I'm ready. Yeah. And the other one says, oh, my lesson in this is I'm going to take this and I'm going to build from it. Yeah. But we don't need it anymore. Yeah. There's too much bad energy from it. Right. Until he realized that that piano means so much to everyone in the family and even to get rid of the ghost, he had to see it and yeah, feel it yeah. and really become part of that sure. to really feel something. And it was, it was nice, you know, it was very nice. And I feel like, um, a, a lot of people are really enjoying it. Like I said, I would say across the board, I enjoyed it. There are some performances that I think are a little stronger than others. Um, and the, like I said, some of the direction was just a little, for me, I think it could have gone into different ways. And like I said, the, and the lighting, the set, the costumes, all really well. The use of sound design was really great. I thought that ominous sound throughout yeah. when something would happen, mysterious, was great. Yeah, It's I, a very important piece to bring back to Broadway. But I think what I'm just loving right now is that everyone can have their opinions on Broadway right now about like how often a show should be in a theater, how long should it run, how sh- long. I just like that we're seeing so many different things mm-hmm. on the stage mm-hmm. right now. And this being one of them. I love hearing that an August Wilson play is coming back to the stage. I love seeing stars wanting to be on the stage, yeah. especially on a show like this. And I think it is bringing people to the theater. Clearly, if it's selling seats yeah, and people are going to see yeah. it. Whether they know what they're going to get, if it's a musical or a play, because sometimes people, when they buy tickets, I yeah. think even the people in front of us were like, oh, we didn't know what this was. Yeah, they were like, Samuel we just saw Jackson's Samuel L. Jackson, <laughs> right? Someone was like, uh, I heard her also say, we tried to get the thing that Hugh Jackman's in, but I don't know the thing. I'm like, it's the music, man. Like, some people don't know the titles. They just hear the name of yeah. the person. They but guess hear what? Think- Leah Michelle. They don't know Funny Girl, half these people, but they go see, you know, people are sometimes just hearing the name. Yeah. And so. But that's what's going to keep theater going. Yeah. But even if this doesn't run forever even though it's extended uh it's still on the stage Mm -hmm. and then something else will be on the stage we just have to keep the theater going yeah for sure for sure oh my gosh running out of time here wow let's wrap this up this was a really really great discussion uh overall concluding thoughts on the piano lesson on broadway Mm -hmm. i think that i love having different types of shows on the stage. So I love being able to go see a play and I love being able to go see a musical. And then the night before this, we saw a musical and now we saw the play. We mix it up. And just being able to sit in that room and really kind of immerse myself into this show and into what someone else has experienced in life and to see these amazing performers on the stage do this, I applaud it. And I think that many people, I think, I think you probably need to be a little bit more of a theater goer to see this show. So if you're not really into that, maybe opt for something else. But 
if you can really sit down and fully immerse yourself into a piece of theater and enjoy it, then I would highly recommend seeing yeah. a show like this. I would say, over, I agree with a lot of what you're saying. My biggest take is thank you, August Wilson, for telling stories of families and what they may have been going through at a time where American theater was in the 1930s and 40s was all about what? I mean, George Bernard Shaw plays, which is great. You know, um, uh, uh, Oklahoma. I mean, you know, some of these shows from the Ford that were so or campy or tap dancey, and, and we talk about the 1930s, the Roaring Twenty. But no, there was these are real stories. Mm-hmm. And like I said, this is 30, 40, 50 years after slavery and before the major civil rights movement. And what were families going through with their with their struggles in a town like Pittsburgh? You know, it's not set in New York City. It's not set in the South. It's in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. What a great... I forgot before. Y- yes. Well, yes. <laughs> right. Uh, what a great locale for something mm-hmm. like this. And I did I did really enjoy it. Danielle Brooks is a star. I love her. And it's. I just think it's great to see Samuel L. Jackson. First time I ever see him live. He's an amazing, amazing mm-hmm. guy. So really, really good stuff. Well, thank you all so much for listening. We really hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Piano Lesson podcast. It's playing on Broadway, I guess I said earlier, at the Ethel Barrymore Theater um, until the end of January 2023. So go check that out if you can. And if you have seen this, what have you learned from the piano? Yeah, tell us. Lesson. Yes, Let us know. Lesson. We always want to know. Yes, what have you learned from exactly. the piano lesson? Exactly. So, <laughs> yes. Um, at Half Hour Podcast on TikTok, Instagram, all the socials. Comment, like, share. We thank you so much for being wonderful listeners. More to come. Lots of plays, lots of musicals, lots of pop episodes, movie musicals. It's all coming. So yeah. until next time, we're going to get ready to sign off now saying ta-ta. I'm Richie. And I'm Jeff. Saying bye. Bye. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.